Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello and welcome to Gotham Sports Report, a special Monday edition on June 7th. And guys, big night, big night in Brooklyn and big night in Boston for the Islanders. We're going to start off with the Islanders. Five to four, five to four, a really just a game that doesn't seem like an Islanders game. It's going three of four on the power play coming out to a 5-2 to two lead. Crazy game. We're going to get to it after, but first, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, since we've recorded last, um, the Brooklyn Nets beat the Celtics. We thought that the Bucks would be the toughest matchup for the Nets in the playoffs. We said, other than maybe the 76ers, because the Lakers have been eliminated, we said that the Bucks would be the toughest matchup that the Nets face, their toughest test. And really, just how big of a test is it? The Nets killed them tonight, destroyed the Bucks tonight, 125 to 86, a 40-point game. And this is coming off of another blowout a couple of nights ago. The Nets are up to a 2-0 lead. I don't see how the Bucks could put up a fight. Maybe they could do what the Celtics did in the third game when they went to Boston against the Nets and maybe scratch out a win. But I don't see the Bucks as being good, as good as the Nets. The Nets are playing lockdown defense. They're locking down Giannis. Giannis isn't, isn't able to score, and, and, and their whole offense is stymied by the Nets. And the Nets have, even after losing Harden, they lost Harden this week, even after losing Harden, the Nets are fine. They're getting scoring from other areas. They're getting scoring from Mike James. Bruce Brown had a huge game today. The Nets are golden right now. Golden. And I don't see a way that, that they could even even be stopped right now the odds for the nets went to plus 165 i pounded it there's no shot to losing to any team left it's just it's crazy they have the three of the best scorers in the game kevin durant is literally the the best scorer of all time i'll say it he is the best scorer of all time and kyrie irving is not too bad himself he's what he has been hitting pull up threes on the run stopping on the dime and even without harden tonight they don't need harden it's just, it's crazy. They're a team. As much as we hate, think it's two guys, it's not just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. It's guys like Joe Harris and Blake Griffin, who's been contributing. Guys like Mike James, off the bench, and Nicholas Claxton, who contribute. It's just, they have guys that fill the rules. And I have to get hats off to head coach Steve Nash, who has done a tremendous job with all the injuries this year, trying to mesh this roster. I've said this from the beginning of the season that the injuries might actually be helpful. Obviously, it wasn't so helpful not to get the players playing together, but to get other guys like Landry Shadwick playing games like he normally wouldn't, Bruce Brown to play games like he normally wouldn't, or Nicholas Claxton to play games like he normally wouldn't, just to have those guys play games and to get in the, in the swing of things. It's such a benefit for this team now that they can trust 10, 11 even deep during well, these If I... I'm a Detroit Pistons fan watching the Nets right now. I'm putting a bounty on Blake Griffin's head. You know, look at him <laughs> play for the Nets right now. Posterizing, posterized Giannis. 
Jack, I've been seeing this all over Instagram. Like, Detroit should demand their money back for Blake Griffin. Stop it. Okay, he was bad in 2020. No, no, no. But there's a difference between bad. There's a difference between being bad. Everyone forgets 2019 when he led them to the playoffs. Everyone's forgetting that. So let's let's just put a pause on that. But Morris, this guy is a big believer in bringing energy to the team. He preaches this all the time about Aaron Boone not bringing energy to the Yankees and this and that, whatever. He loves He loves the energy. How about Blake Griffin diving for balls, dunking over Giannis tonight? That's what you need as a team. It's not just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that are contributing. It's everyone, like you guys said. It's Blake Griffin diving for loose balls, dunking over Giannis. It's Landry Shaman having back-to-back possessions, hitting pull-up threes. It's Bruce Brown with the floaters over every single person, no matter what. That's what you need. And also, let's talk about the defense that they're playing. They, they held the Bucks starting line to basically 70 points. It was garbage time. That brought them up to whatever they ended with in like the 80s. But even so, 80s for a Bucks team in the playoffs is not good. That's that's just a great defensive showing. Um, I know this is a New York podcast. Well, I have to call for Mike Budenholzer's job. I have to. He has always been a coach who has failed to make adjustments in the playoffs. And tonight he has not made adjustments through game one to game two. I am calling for his job. He has to learn to make adjustments. The Bucks are not here. One second, you can't just make, can't just say make adjustments. They're down by 20 in the first quarter. They're, they're down by 20 at halftime. It's not like they could just flip a switch and have them and have them win no, this no, game. Between game one and game two. They're not hitting shots. From, from the first half, Giannis was 0 for 5 starting out from the line. It, it, every single player contributed to this loss for the Bucs. We're not a Bucs pod. Let's talk about the Harden injury because going forward, that's something that we have to watch out because really the way that the Nets are playing, that's the only thing that can hinder them going forward. If they play the Sixers next round, Pence or the Hawks or whoever they play in the finals. But it didn't sound like the injury when they talked about the injury in the post game, it sounded like it was kind of just a sore hamstring, not really a strain, not, not a tear. Thankfully, it didn't seem like it was something that was so bad that would keep him out of the playoffs. Maybe it's just a smoke screen because they want the other teams to think that there's a chance of him coming back. But I think that right now, um, the Nets could afford to keep him out as long as they possibly could uh, just to get him back to being healthy. But I think he'll be fine. And if they're going to keep routing Milwaukee, they don't have to rush him back for the series. They could wait till the next series. And if they can defeat Milwaukee fast, they'll have they'll have time to rest guys. Especially since they're not playing, I think, till Thursday night. Correct me if I'm wrong. So Thursday night, it's Thursday night. Yeah, so you, you definitely you definitely see how he's doing. He doesn't really need to be playing that game if they're going to continue playing the same way. But if this was the same injury that kept him out for like a month in the regular season, and I don't care if they're saying they're being overly cautious or whatever. I don't trust the words of any of these people these days, especially with the way the Yankees are run. So it's just something you have to watch out for. Guys, it's a hamstring injury. It's not like a broken arm, not like a broken leg. These things take time. It's yeah. it's something that you need to watch out for. They need to be very patient because Harden is their best playmaker, whether you guys whether you guys agree with me or not. He is their best playmaker. And I think they will somewhat need him towards the end of the series. I think Milwaukee will put a fight, up a fight at home. So and they will need Harden at some point. A hundred a hundred percent. But remember back when they made this trade, what do we say? The team was already constructed from the beginning to win a championship. This team, as it is on the floor right now without Harden, should be good enough to win a championship. The Harden addition was superfluous. 
right? It was to just get them over to ensure, put them as favorites for the championship. Right now, they're back to where they were, back to square one, right? They didn't even, because when Harden was on the floor most of the season, the other players weren't, or KD or Kyrie weren't. So now you're going to see what we expected to see last year. What could they do together? What could Kyrie and KD do together? And so far, these past two games, they've been great. Minus Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the Nets, they have a cakewalk through the rest of the playoffs, in my opinion. They're a team. Like, I keep saying it, like, you, you, they're not just the three guys. They're a team. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not ready to crown them right yeah, now. But, listen, if, if they keep playing defensively, the way that they shut down Giannis tonight, they, they can't be stopped. I'm not even ready to call series yet. I, I think if the Bucks come Joe, out, Joe, stop that. Joe, stop that. I'm not. No, I'm not saying that they're not going to win this series. I'm not ready to say that they're sweeping or winning in five. Like I still think the Bucks have a little fight left in them. Uh, the way I see it is, if the Bucks are able to come out in Game Three, and if they if they play the way the Celtics did and only win by like six, then then I'm ready to call series because if the Nets worse, that's what they're losing by. But if the Bucks are missing one of their bigger pieces in Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, and the Nets are missing Harden. So no, 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 no. But I'll explain this for a minute. DiVincenzo, the Bucks didn't really have so many injuries this season. So now with DiVincenzo, they're not as deep as the Nets, obviously. But with DiVincenzo out, they're having guys like Jeff Teague play minutes that he shouldn't be playing, which is a big aspect of the series. It, and it was- Nets are without Jeff Green as well, which is uh, something to watch for. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I don't. I. The well, obviously makes a difference, but I. If you're gonna, if you're allowed to compare injuries, they, they it doesn't even compare to the Nets injuries. So I'm not ready to say that like, like oh wow, they're missing Divincenzo. If they had him, it would have been closer. I don't. I don't think it would have been any bit closer. Maybe they lose by 35 instead of 39 with Divincenzo on the floor. Well, we're talking about injuries, and we've constantly been talking about this. Um, the injuries that have been plaguing the New York Mets and just how resilient that they have been so far this season that they could be right now, six games above 500. They just split a series against the Padres um, who are a top, a top tier team in baseball right now. Um, Things are looking up for the Mets. Um, Lindor's hitting McCann's hitting um, and just the sheer, dominance, the sheer dominance of Jacob DeGrand, that we try to put it into words every week, just how good that he is, just how good that he is. 0.62 ERA in his first nine starts, it's not fathomable. It's not fathomable. What a tear. What a tear he's on right now. And for, and for, the, for this guy on Twitter, for this guy on Twitter, this nobody, nobody to come out and say, and say that Jacob DeGrom's a cheater, to have all the Mets have to come out and defend him, defend the best pitcher on baseball, just because this clown, clown on Twitter makes his baseless accusation. And we're going to keep seeing this. We are going to keep seeing this because of Rob Manfred. Now, we love to kill him here, but I'm going to do it again. Rob Manfred putting this really just out there. Oh, we're going to stop this sticky stuff. Who caused this stuff to happen in the first place? Who brought this? Who brought this problem? This was never a problem before. It's Rob Manfred. And guess what? Just like steroids where Mike Piazza and other clean players get attacked, if, if this affects Jacob DeGrom, if this narrative sticks, I am going to be upset. 
I'm upset right now, but I'm going to be even more upset. There was a lot the of, legacy of the best pitcher that I have ever seen in my lifetime. There was a lot Disgusting. of in your wins oh, there. That was beautiful. If this narrative sticks, the dominance after Dom Homer's yesterday, beautifully said, Jack. I, I don't think this narrative could stick. Like every Met player came to Twitter and they each had this game of tagging each other to defend him. Every single person denied him, put, put their words to the mouth that Jacob DeGrom does not cheat. If he cheated, I truly believe that he would have a zero ERA this year. The way he pitches, he's he's probably the best pitcher of, of this generation right now. Right next to playing Kershaw, the way he was like ten years ago. This something. This is what we're seeing here is something that shouldn't happen. You can't have that. What is it? What's the year where you said he had? 0.62. That's crazy. They showed a stat through nine starts. Like the next lowest was like Bob Gibson. Although we had 89.1 innings, which is crazy because what is that? It's like nine complete games, eight complete games. And he had like, he still only had like a 1.2. Jacob right. DeGrom having half of that is insane. And he only, insane. only averaged six strikeouts a game in that. And DeGrom's well over eight. So it, I guess it's I need to go for one minute. I said in our baseball preview that DeGrom was the best pitcher of our lifetime. You both... Sorry. I said Kershaw. I did say Kershaw. You said Kershaw, Verlander, this and that. No, I've said this. I've said DeGrom is the best pitcher of our lifetime. That's why I needed one. I need to go two. So I'm happy to be wrong. I'm very happy to be wrong on this issue. Be happy. But let, let's go more into the into the into this sticky situation. Um, if you look at the spin rate, because that's, that's the main problem this year. We're going to get into the Yankees hitting difficulties later. But really, statistically, the biggest difference um, – that pitching is undergone because we've seen in the past couple of years just how much better pitchers have gotten. So what's come alongside that? It's the difference in spin rate and just the revolutions of the baseball, how fast um, it, it spins, and that's what makes curveballs uh, and sliders and sinkers drop and it makes it harder for hitters to hit. So they're saying that that these sticky st- substances that pitchers put on their hands um, affect the rate that their fingers spin the balls. The problem with this narrative and what what happened with DeGrom is, A, DeGrom has only thrown two curveballs this whole year. B, his spin rate hasn't even changed throughout his whole career. It's, it's changed marginally throughout his whole career. So I just want to put this to bed. Um, there's absolutely no shot that Jacob DeGrom is cheating. This whole narrative of spin rate started with the Astros. So that, that leads me to another problem is, that people on Twitter not only are exactly. connecting it to Jacob deGrom, they're connecting it now to Garrett Cole. And after the MLB released their whole thing about the investigation, people are saying that Garrett Cole five runs Yeah, so even, um, even that Garrett Cole, and you're talking about Garrett Cole, um, Garrett Cole came from the Astros, and since... He came from the Astros. I think it's fair that we could ask these questions. Um, just because you saw those pitching staffs uh, for the Astros, right now you could look at their young pitching staff. When they brought in Garrett Cole, they bring in these these bad pitchers and they suddenly make them good. And we talked about this earlier uh, earlier in the year, that, that the Astros could develop pitching at a rate that the Yankees can't. Is this why? Uh, are we going to put this past them, that they cheated in the first place? Are they not cheating now? I was about to say, I wouldn't be so surprised. But I'm not. I wouldn't apply that to Cole though for a few reasons. 
one, he's always been a baseball savant. Ever since he was in UCLA, he's always been a guy who's loved the game, who's always tried to get better, who's always worked on his game, on his pitching. That's one. Two, he's always – he's learning. Like, he just always wants to get better. You've never seen something like that. He's always watching. He's always watching other pitchers on, on the pitching staff, trying to help them get better and help himself get better. I don't think it's – I don't think it applies to Cole. Yes, the Revolutions did go down in his last start, but it happens once in a while. And he just didn't have his stuff the other day. Let's, let, let me take a step back here because I need to take off my Yankee filter because the Yankeeness in me is saying that obviously he doesn't cheat. What is there a possibility that he went to the Astros? He did become a significantly better pitcher. It wasn't banned by the rules, like every single pitcher was doing it. So, is there that possibility that he actually did use sticky stuff and it did help him? Like, how do we know definitively just because he's a savant of the game that he's not cheating? He did play for those Astros teams. Like, you have to connect the dots somewhere. Right. And it could be a problem, especially. Um, let's move on to the Yankees now, but especially with what's been going on with the Yankees these past couple of weeks. And it, it, I think it's a coincidence, but Josh Donaldson pointed this out and other players and other people pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, the, the week that baseball says they're going to be cracking down on sticky stuff, um, Garrett Cole has his worst start. And I think it's going to happen for a lot of pitchers that they're going to get accused of 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 using substances if they have a bad star in the next couple of weeks because people are going to accuse them of suddenly not using it because baseball's cracking down. But really just, I think it's just a broader sign of the Yankees struggling. And this is the low point. We said, I, I thought it was last week that this is rock bottom for the Yankees. This is rock bottom to lose a series to Boston after losing to the Rays. After losing to the Tigers, they've lost 10 of 13, I believe 10 of 13. Or was it 11 to 13? Something like that. Um, right. So just just a horrible stretch for the Yankees. And something has to change. Something has to change for this to turn around. I don't know what will. I know I know what has to change. I know what has to change. I guess since he's been hired, Aaron Boone must go. He must go. He's not a man who's not a leader. He knows baseball, I'll say that much, but he's not a manager. He can't lead a team. He doesn't hold his players accountable. He doesn't lead troops. He's not – he doesn't make a good lineup. He doesn't know a manager open. He doesn't know to do anything. Yesterday, Phil Nevin, with the guy who just lost 20 pounds from COVID, has an IV in him, had to get thrown out of the game. Stop not it. Me. Stop it with this narrative. Stop it. Stop it with the narrative. One second. He should not get fired. He, he gets the most ejections in baseball. He gets ejected the most in baseball. One second. He gets ejected the most in baseball. He got ejected earlier in the week. Okay. The other coaches got ejected. So there's no point for the manager to get ejected when there's no one to fill in as manager and there's no coaches left. You need the manager to be calm when the other no, coaches. We're, we're better off. That's A. B. Better all without gain? a manager. What's the gain of having him get ejected? I understand it fires up the players, but if another if another person is getting ejected, that fires up that the players. One thing I'll say: don't take back. I take from Boone. The only thing that he did good in his four years so far: savages in the box. The only thing he's that fired the team up and showed he had his players' backs, and clearly he doesn't have their backs right now. Just plain and simple. He doesn't hold them accountable. He has them 
He has them running back poorly on bases. We can't yield. That's all indicative on the manager. Plain and simple. He should not be managing a baseball team. He's not a leader. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Honestly, I'm starting to join his side here because, like, you could always say the whole argument that he's a puppet for Cashman, but this team needs a change. And what, like, it just needs a change of culture. It needs a change of everything. They're not hitting. Their pitching has been doing worse as of late. They just need this whole, like, just a change to the team. And now they have a reason to fire Boone in my mind. I think, I think they could back it on to something. He didn't fire up the team. The team's not hitting. They lost a ton of games in a row. They got swept by their division rivals, their biggest rivals in the very important series because they can't win. This is the time to do it if any time. So okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay. even be surprised. There is no he was given a, game. He was given the keys to a Ferrari. They, they, they were a world series caliber team in 2018. They didn't go anywhere. They got Garrett Cole after that and they still didn't go anywhere. He, he, even the cars, the keys to a Ferrari there is and drove no, it nowhere. There is no gain from this move. There is no gain from a move to remove a manager when the manager had no power to begin with. I'm sorry. And you t- talk about the ejections and you could say he's not firing up the team. Look at Luis Rojas right now. Look at Luis Rojas. He doesn't get ejected even when there's a bad call. He has the least ejections in baseball right now. Where Aaron Boone has the most. It has no correlation with the effect on the team. You could say it fires them up, but guess what should be firing them up? The fact that they're horrible, that they can't hit right now, that they can't score runs. That should be firing them up. It's not the manager's fault that they can't score. It's Cashman's fault. It's Cashman's fault that he made a roster without a lefty, without a lefty that could hit. He made a roster without a real center fielder to fill in in case of injury. No depth on this roster. There's no one in the minor leagues right now because they have to rely on Tyler Wade. They have to rely on these players that are horrible. I'm sorry. This is on Cashman. To to be there for 20 years, I understand they had one World Series in 2009. I believe he was in the front office for 2001 as well. But just to to build this roster around the home run, to build the roster around the home run when baseball set, this year that they were unjuicing the baseball and other teams have, have kind of even like the Red Sox, you saw the Red Sox in this series, not rely on the home run. And they're a very heavily analytic team. The Yankees strike out more than anybody. They have to rely on home runs, but they're not hitting home runs. It's not on Boone. You can't magically conjure up home runs. It's on the Yankee hitters. Where's Giancarlo Stanton been since his hot streak? Got injured. Where has he been? Where's DJ LeMay you been? Over 12. Worse than, Gary. worse than Gary. Literally worse than Gary. Look, you're right about one thing that the players have to perform and they are not performing, but I think it's a whole culture thing. And where does that stem from? The manager off. The manager. But then you could back that out to Cashman. And are you ready to no, 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 no. I was about to mention this. At this point, I wouldn't be so upset if they fired Cashman. I know it's very hard to see, very hard about Cashman getting fired. See, as a longtime Yankee fan, but change is needed. You see, a guy like Danny Ainge who just left Boston. Yeah, change is needed at some point. I didn't even mention. I didn't even mention this in my rant about Cashman. He spent the most money outside of the Dodgers in baseball. They're going to be at the luxury tax. Right above, right at the luxury tax. So if they want to make a move, and I wouldn't make a move with this roster, they're going to have to go over. 
And if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, do I want to go over? Be real no. right now. If you were Hal Steinbrenner, what? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This team isn't a World Series caliber team. Why? Why in the world would you go over? Right. No, definitely no reason. Especially when the Rays are like 15 games ahead, spending what five million dollars. The Braves are spending no money now. The Red Sox are spending more money. The Yankees are in fourth place. Okay, this we're you, at that 60 add? game point of last season. We're at the 60 point game of last season, right? We're, if this was last year, the season would be over. Guess what? Under the current playoff format, the Yankees would not be in the playoffs. Had the season ended today, the Yankees would not be in the playoffs. Let that sink in. A $205 million team will not be in the playoffs. It's inexcusable. Who, who could they even add that would, like, really change around? They need a first baseman. They need a center fielder. Like, people want Kettle Marte, or I don't know how that's doing anything for them. It's just going to blow by the luxury tax, and then what? Like he's not making that big of a difference to the Yankees. Right, and Trevor Story hasn't been hitting this year and hits from the right side. And I don't think you, that you can't have Trevor Story because then you, you then you can't you can't sign Judge. You, you have Garrett Cole and John Carlo all signed to thirty million dollars a year. You have to sign Story for thirty million. Is that worth it for you? Glaber is not your biggest problem. So let me ask you right now, guys. Right now, if the Yankees have the same ratio of, of wins to losses. At the end of the year, they finish a couple of games over 500, um, either barely skirting on a wild card or miss the playoffs. Are you breaking down this roster at the end of the year, going into a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, or are you trying to build this roster up? I don't know how they could with 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 the money that's on the books right now. That the only, that's what I was about to mention. There's no possible way because the, the real problem stems from Giancarlo. As much as he performs sometimes and lack of, he only DHs, so you can't do anything else with him, which is a big issue. So they really – who are you going to get rid of? Lieber? Okay, fine. Gary? Okay, fine. But they're still going to need to sign Judge for $30 million. But even even getting rid of those two, they're on, like, rookie deals right now. So it's not clearing up money for them. And I'm definitely not ready to get rid of Judge. Definitely not. You can't get rid of Judge. You not get rid the of Judge. Player, the big Albatross the most contract is staying. Yeah, it's it's it really just comes down to Giancarlo, even when, when he's is, at his best in that whole week where he, you know, it, it's not worth it for the team. When is um, when is Judge up for an extension? Or up? I believe next after out? next season. All right, so I I have to think about season. are you going to pay him or not because he's been the most consistent player. He stayed on the field, playing his way into if a he, contract. If he continues the way he's playing right now, you have to. There's no way you could give him up. What better are you getting? Then you have to go in the complete rebuild, but you can't because you still have John Carlin and you still have Garrett Cole. Right. So what better are they getting? You can't get any better. Listen, even if Gary continues to like hit semi-normally the way he is right now, getting getting rid of him, like it, it won't kill them. Like I think he's very good and I, I wouldn't get rid of him, but that won't kill them. It's, I really think getting rid of Judge would be a huge mistake if he continues the way he's playing. Like this, my opinion could change because there's so much time when he's due for contract. But if he if he plays the way he's playing right now, staying on the field the way he is, there's there's absolutely no reason to get rid of him. All right. So one last issue that I'm a little bit upset about: Clint Frazier hasn't shown much, and he's really he was a guy we were relying on. Clint has not shown much this season, and, and yeah. 
Yeah, big time. And to make matters worse, like he's on your rookie deal. So you're paying, you were expecting a guy to hit like upwards 20 to low 30 homers, hit like 260 and higher, paying him practically nothing and just manning down left field and he can't do it. He, he just can't hit. He simply can't hit. And it makes you think, it makes you think because over the past two years, past two, three years, fans have been clamoring for for Frazier to get more playing time. And the Yankees have been very hesitant to play him. Very hesitant to play him. They they did everything they could to to not play him the past couple of years. And so it makes me think, did they know something that we didn't know and that they just had to rely on him this year because there's no one better? No. Right? Because they tried to not play him in the past. I don't think that's true because he played really well last year. Right, in a play. very, very small sample size. But he showed that he has the capability of being the starting left field this entire season. And he's still shown on defense that he's one of the best. Like, he was top three for Gold Glove this year, and he's still playing exceptionally well on defense. So, it's the hitting. And that I still think it'll come around, but how long could you wait on him when the team's struggling this much? Oh, and I forgot to say for the Mets. I'm just going to add really quickly. The Mets, where we talked about just the differences and how different this team has been. The Mets have gone from consistently the worst defensive team in baseball over the past six or seven years to suddenly one of the best. And I don't think that's, I think that's a product of the injuries. And I don't think that's going to stand up when Nimmo and JD Davis are back because they are poor defenders, but that's huge in helping DeGrom get off to his start. Point sixty two. You saw them. uh, Brandon Drury help Marcus Stroman get out of a jam last night as well. So, before we get to the end of the show, I want to I want to congratulate the coach of the year, the new coach of the year in the NBA, Tom Thibodeau. Really, just the MVP of the next season. Um, You could say it's Randall, but until the playoffs where he laid an egg, um, it's been all Thibodeau you saw that the game planning and not really talent has led them to this champ uh, to this playoff appearance. And it's really just been Tom Thibodeau that has been um, the GOAT for this, for this next team. Hats off to Tibbs. I didn't think this was the correct hire. I'll stand by that. I really did not think it was the correct hire and he did an incredible job. He had his players playing extremely hard every single night with a lack of talent and having this team over 500 in out of four seed at, by season's end, hats off to Tibbs because he really did an incredible job. All right. So before we end the show, I'm going to do this again because Morris is being mean to me. Um, How am I'm I- going to forego fun facts with Jack to talk about the Islanders for two minutes. And if you guys want to join in, you could join in. We, talk, we just talked about Tom the Thibodeau. Thing I'll mention, the only thing I'll mention, playoff hockey is fun to watch. Thank you. We just talked about Tom Thibodeau and the difference that coaching could make. And if you saw this game, the Islanders should have lost 6 nothing. The Islanders were outplayed on every single level. They were out hit. The Bruins were faster than them. They were just an overall better team tonight. So how did the, how did the Islanders win? And I think the refs blew some calls for the Bruins and, and gave the Islanders power plays that they went three for four on the power play. But B, and this is, this is the biggest point. This is the biggest point of this. Barry Trotz adjusted the lines in the middle of the game. 
He adjusted the lines in the middle of the game. When you move Komarov off of that first line, you put Palmieri there. You move JG Pajot off of his line. This is how you make in-game adjustments that can get you to win the game. Right, Moving around Pelican Pullock, best defensive tandem in the league, Pelican Posse. Uh, that's, that's how you win hockey games. That's how you win playoff hockey games. Even though they gave up a, a, a three-goal lead and almost lost it at the end of the game, this is a huge win to go into Boston, to go into TD Garden, and to get, come out with a win and to have a chance to win in the Coliseum in Game 6 on Wednesday night. The Islanders, and this is this is the last two series, they, were, they had a 25% chance of making it out of this series. 25% chance of making it out of the last series. They consistently proved people wrong. They proved me wrong as well. I didn't think they had a chance. But they, they, they play hard and they play well for Barry Trotz. And if they keep playing like this, where they only get 17 shots but score 5 of 17 shots, they'll have a chance. Maybe not against the Avalanche in the Stanley Cup, but they'll have a chance maybe to go against the Lightning if they could win in Nassau Coliseum. And we'll see. We will see on Wednesday nights. You got to have anything else to add? Yeah, fun fact with Jack. No, I don't have a fun fact with Jack. I for or I, I forgotten that I I forwent it. Forgot <laughs> it. You ruined it. Listen, uh, listen. If you guys gave me time to speak about hockey in the middle of the show, or in the beginning of the show to lead off, I'll give you a fun fact with Jack. It's my gift to you. Oh no 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 no! But until that happens, I'm gonna take the time for myself and make our fans happy. Because the fans want what's hot. And the Islanders are what's hot right now. I think I think for the sake of the show, we're going to have to get rid of the name Fun Facts with Jack and change it to either Fun Facts with Mars or Fun Facts with Joe. Because but it doesn't good. go. It doesn't have the same rhyming ability. No, no it does. It has a better it rhyming ability. It will now. It will now. Then you have to come so up with good. a new name. You have to come up with a – it's not Fun Facts with Joe. It's Fun Facts with Jack. It, it's either going to be – I don't know. You're going to have to come up with a name, and then yeah, we're going to yeah, have to discuss it on the next show. We're gonna have I don't to think discuss. our fans like to hear our rants about the fun fact with Jack. You're going to have to come up with something next week. We'll discuss it during the, the fun yeah. fact segment next week. What we're going to rename not, it. I'm not even going to do a question. I'm going to do something better. I'm going to think of something even better than fun facts with Jack ever was. Listen, I could give the you fans a fun are, fact right now. not even going to remember. In a month from now, they're not even going to remember what fun facts with Jack was. They're going to be like, oh, wow, Joe segment, so much better. You're lucky you get a segment, all right? Hockey what? You're lucky Hockey you get what? a segment. Hockey what is right. Hockey what? You are lucky that you get a segment. Remember that. Remember who runs this, okay? That's 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 all I have to say. Everybody, good night from a special Monday night playoff edition of Gotham Sports Report. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Gotham Sports Report podcast. Tune in every Sunday at 4.30 on WNYU or catch us on Spotify.